Well, good morning, Golden Corner Church. Oh, man. Good morning, Golden Corner Church. I like that. I like that. Good to see you on this Eclipse Eve service that we're having together here. Uh, This morning, I want to uh, preach the fourth sermon in a series of sermons entitled The Power of One. And here's what we know. We know that God wants Golden Corner Church to be a transformational church, which means he wants us to be the kind of church that he can work through to change people for the better and forever. And we know what that takes. It's going to take teamwork. God, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to use people to change people. And in particular, he's chosen to use people working together toward a common goal to change people. So we have learned how incredibly important that makes each one of us to the process of life change. Uh, If if any one member, if any one member of the team fails to do his or her part, life change as God intended just simply isn't going to happen. So you know what that means? Uh, We've got to do our part. Each one of us at this church, we have to do our part, which means, first of all, we've got to Know our part. And so last week we started answering that question, what's our part? This is what we learned. Our part is to follow Jesus. Each and every one of us. Your part is to follow Jesus. My part is to follow Jesus. And I'm not going to go back and and try to explain all that again. I devoted the whole sermon to that. And I would like to say this. If you consider yourself to be a part of Golden Corner, this is your church. uh, And you've missed any one of the sermons in this series. I'm begging you. Okay, don't make me get on my knees, but I'm begging you, please go back and listen to those sermons. It's, I think it's incredibly important uh, to our future as a, as a church. So our part is to follow Christ, but that's not our only part. Uh, in addition to following Christ, we must lead people. Got it? Your part is to follow Jesus and lead people. You go lead them where? Well, hopefully, lead them to Jesus. Now, in in this series, I feel like I've already conclusively proven using the Bible that all of us are called to be missionaries. And our first responsibility as a missionary is to help people find their way to Jesus. And so what I want to do with the remainder of the service is tell you kind of how I go about doing this. What works for me? And so here's, here's what I don't want you to consider this a preacher talking to his congregation from this point on. This is the way I want you to see this. You got a missionary talking to missionaries, right? That's it. Hey, we're just all a big bunch of missionaries gathered here together this morning, and uh, I'm just a missionary talking to missionaries. Helping you understand not only what your part is, but how to do your part. Because your part is to help somebody else get to Jesus so that they're saved. Now, how do you do that? Uh, in 1979, I'm really dating myself. Of course, there's no hiding it when your beard's snow white. People know you're old. You're not kind of, you know. I accepted Christ in 1979, and I had one goal. I didn't want to go to hell. And uh, so I, I found out I didn't have to. And I found out if I didn't go to hell, I was going to this great place called heaven. But for that to happen, I had to make things right with God. So 
I made things right with God. Now, I'll be honest with you. That's all I wanted. I just don't want to go to hell, period. If that means heaven, great. Got to make things right. I'm happy. Good to go. Well, my family and I, you know what you're supposed to do? is to get saved, you're supposed to go to church. And so I went to church. And as I heard my preacher preach, I came to understand something. There's a whole lot more to Christianity than just missing out on hell and going to heaven. There's a whole lot more to salvation than this. And so I made a commitment to begin following Christ. I started building my life around those things we talked about last week. Communicating with Jesus, cooperating with him, connecting with other Christ followers. I, was re- I really devoted myself to it. Life re- revolved around those things. And guess what I discovered? Uh, there's more to this than just following Jesus. Jesus wants me to not only follow him, he wants me to help other people find and follow him. I had another part in this. I was to lead people. And so I tried. Now I, I, and as I look back over those early years, I, I, I look back and see no results. In those early years, I was not leading people to Jesus. And as I look back over that, I, I think the problem was the methods that I chose. And so you're going to think I'm ignorant, and, and I guess maybe I'm just proving you know, that to be the case. But I didn't know how to do this, and so I'll tell you how I started trying to win people to Jesus. I, I got myself a bunch of gospel tracts. Does anybody know what a gospel tract is? Does anybody know what that is? Anybody know? It's just these little religious pamphlets. Typically, they have some kind of a crude illustration on them. Typically, you know, maybe you know, angels throwing humans into this head of flames or something, you know, and then there would be an explanation about salvation, and I thought, well, this is how I'm going to win people. I'm going to give those things out. So I took them to work. Jeremy, I'd give them out to the people I worked with. Can you imagine how annoying that must have been? And I'd give them this stuff, and uh, I would, uh, sometimes I, if Lynn and I were out to eat, you know, in addition to leaving the tip on the table, guess what I left there with them? A gospel track. I mean, we're really going to win some people. I'm leaving a gospel track. And so, and if you give out gospel tracts, I'm not trying to uh, hurt your feelings. And I am trying to lead you in a way that I think is going to produce better results. And so I would also get, I'd get a handful of those. And I'd get my little Volkswagen Beetle on a Saturday. And I'd drive through the, through, I'd drive all through the country. And if I saw somebody doing yard work uh, or standing at their mailbox, I would stop. I'd get out of the car and I'd introduce myself. And I'd say, I got a little something for you. I'd give them a gospel tract. And, and sometimes I would, I would eventually end up down in Seneca at the shopping centers, uh, Roses or TGNY, if that tells you how long ago this was. And I would get out in the parking lot and I would try to catch, intercept people coming into the store, going back to the car, and I would give them a gospel track. So, yes, some of you are thinking, I remember him. We tried to run to the car as quickly as we could to get away from him. How do you think that worked for me? Results were zero. I didn't see any lives changed. And you say, oh, well, I wonder why. Here's my thought. How impersonal. I really care about you, so I'm giving you this piece of paper. Right? That's really going to do some good. Well, the, I, so I, I kind of adapted a new methodology. And our church had what we called, on Thursday nights, we had this program called Visitation. And uh, it struck fear. When, when the pastor would mention coming out to visit, it struck fear in everybody's heart because on visitation, what we would do is go out into the community and do cold calls, two by two. We would just drive up somebody's driveway, get out, go up. We called it knocking on doors. We'd go up and knock 
on doors. Now, some of you are thinking, I remember him. I remember that guy. I remember telling my husband, get down, cut the TV off, pretend we're not here. Maybe they'll go away. Listen, that might have been me on the other side of that door. And this is the way they would go. If somebody ever would come to the door, you'd say something like, uh, Hey, I'm Ronnie Hodge. Uh, I go to such and such church down the road here. And just wanted to come by tonight at what must be the most inconvenient time. Uh, with, with no forewarning and uh, with no consideration for any plans that you may have had this evening. And I, a total stranger, someone you've never met or spoken with. I want to talk to you about the most intensely personal matter in your life. And then you, this was our big lead question. If you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? Huh? Really? Well, if you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? Because I'm here. Someone that you have absolutely no reason to trust. And I'm going to tell you how you can make things right with God and end up in heaven and not hell. How do you think that worked for me? I never saw any lives changed. So, you know, after a while you get frustrated and you kind of settle into this mindset. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not picking on you, but it's the mindset of the average churchgoer. I, who here doesn't want to see people saved? We all want to see people saved. And if I could tell you, man, it would be, it's your part is to help them. You'd want to do anything you could to help them get saved. But a lot of us, this is the way we think. If I just, if I'm just a good person. And I just go through life as a good person. Surely somebody, somewhere, is going to take note of my example. And they're going to follow me. And their life's going to be changed. I'm going to bet you that that produces absolutely no results. So 19, in the early 80s, yes, the 1980s, I experienced kind of a turning point. I came across this book written by a fellow named Joseph Aldrich. Joseph Aldrich wrote a book called Lifestyle Evangelism, Learning to Open Up Your Life to the People Around You. I read that book. And then he quickly released another book called Gentle Persuasion, How Creative Ways to Introduce Your Friends to Jesus. Now, those two books marked my life. I read them over and over and over again. You know why? I desperately wanted to do my part. I desperately wanted to lead people to Jesus. You understand at this time, I wasn't a pastor. You know that? When I was trying to do all this, I wasn't pastoring a church. I wasn't a traveling evangelist or anything like that. Man, I just attended Flat Shoals Baptist Church. I just wanted to lead people to Jesus. Why would I want to do that? It was my part. And so I read those books over and over, and, and with what I learned, I went out and I tried this again. Now, this time, results were changed lives. I didn't lead thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. I didn't lead hundreds and hundreds of people to Jesus. But occasionally, I would find myself leading one of my friends to Christ. And it was some of you know. A lot of you don't. Because you've never experienced the thrill of leading a friend to Jesus. Well, I want that to change. I want to help you do your part and do your part successfully so that you begin leading your friends to 
Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is just share with you, when I, after I read these books, I came out with a whole new approach, and this is the way the approach went. I got six steps. That's a whole lot more than I normally do. But uh, you're going you're to listen to me, right? Because it's your part. We're, I'm just a missionary talking to missionaries. I've had a little bit of success at this. I want to tell you how I do it now. Number one, I lead strategically. I think that one of the big misconceptions we all operate under is that, you know, outreach, evangelism, leading people to Jesus is something that just happens. It just happens. Uh, that's not true. Uh, leading people to Jesus requires intentionality. It's something we do on purpose. The Bible compares leading people to Jesus to fishing and farming. Right? And you're probably thinking of the passage of Scripture with that, fishing and farming. How many fish you ever caught unintentionally? Brandon, how many fish you ever caught unintentionally? <laughs> Bad example. Okay, next. <clears throat> now, I want you to think about something. You know, I, just, Anderson, I'm going to you next, right? Work with me here. Brandon's out. Anderson, I'm going to you. Have you ever got up in the morning and uh, you're having your coffee you're standing out on that beautiful deck, and you hear a commotion down in your boat. You're thinking, what is that? So you begin to ease your way down, and as you get closer, the, the, the noise becomes you know, more obvious, and you're thinking, what in the world? You jump up in the boat, and you detect that, is, that noise is coming from my live whale. You open up the live whale, and it's teeming. With catfish. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of catfish, and you've got them, and you didn't even have to put the boat on the water. You didn't have to bait a hook or cast the reel. Please tell me that never happened to you, Paul. Okay, good deal, good deal. Listen to me. Every fish I ever caught, I caught it on purpose. It was intentional. Farming, I think Tim McCall was, you know, Tim, just think about this for a minute. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and, and walked to your kitchen window and looked out over the front yard and over the fields and just said, Brittany, you need to come here and look. What is it, honey? The whole front yard's full of watermelons. There are dozens and dozens of watermelons out there. I, I never plowed up the ground. I never planted any seed. I never fertilized. I never tended. But I want you to look. We got watermelons everywhere. Tim, didn't happen. Didn't happen like that. Let me tell you something, guys. Don't expect to catch a fish if you don't go fishing. Don't expect to raise a crop if you don't plant and prepare for one. You see what I'm saying? Don't expect to lead people to Jesus and not do it on purpose. You got it? It requires intentionality. Just, because, just as fishing and farming requires planning and preparation and effort on your part, so does leading someone to Jesus. So, man, I want to dispel that myth that leading people to Jesus is just something that's going to, it's just going to mysteriously happen. Without any effort on my part. No, it won't. You've got to be intentional about it. And the second thing is I lead relationally. As a general rule, strangers don't lead strangers to Jesus. Now, I know if you've had any church experience, you've been to Revival, and they had some traveling evangelist that came in, and he told some story about, I was on a plane this week coming in from a meeting, and I felt compelled that I need to turn to the gentleman next to me and begin to tell him about Jesus Christ and ask him if he had ever been saved. And he said, no, sir. And I said, you need to get saved. And he got saved. By the time that plane landed, I led 37 people to Jesus. Four of them are now in full-time Christian service. You ever heard those stories? You know what those stories are good for? Fertilizer. You get my drift of fertilizer. That's what they're good for. (laughs) 
Strangers rarely lead strangers to Jesus. Man, get this. Friends lead friends to Jesus. That's the way it works. Do you, like you like my evangelist invitation there? Do you like that? Friends lead friends to Jesus. If Brandon Shepherd wants to go fishing this afternoon, and he wants to get his boat to the water so that he can unintentionally catch a fish, and he's got to lead that boat there or pull that boat there, let me tell you what he's got to do. He's got to hook the boat to the truck. He's not leading that boat anywhere. Leadership requires a connection. If you're going to lead people to Jesus, it really helps if you've got a relational connection to that person that you've got a relationship with or you have built a friendship with a person you'd like to get to Christ. I'll tell you why. People don't follow people they don't trust and people don't trust people they don't know. So if you're going to lead somebody to Jesus, they've got to know you and they've got to know you long enough and well enough that they trust you, hence the need of a relationship. A friendship with that person. You know what happens in the context of friendship? You prove that you're genuine. You really begin to love that person. And through because you are obviously genuine, they begin to trust you. But because they know that you love them, you tell me, don't people respond to love? Joseph Aldrich said in one of those books, people don't care what, they, what you know until they know that you care. How they're going to know that. You think those people, I'm Ronnie Hodge, I'm from the church down the road. You think that they trusted me? You think that they sensed that I loved them? No, no. Couldn't have. Man, in the context of a relationship, you earn their trust. You really begin to love them, and they know that you love them, and that you have their best interest in mind. Um. If you're going to lead relationally, there's a couple of things you've got to give up on. Give up on the idea of winning the world. I just want to win the world. I want to win the world. Well, you ain't. Okay? So drop it. Well, I just want to win Wahala. If I could just win Seneca, you ain't. So drop it. If you're going to lead relationally, you've got to you got to back up and you got to narrow your focus. you got to put the crosshairs on the bullseye. you got to make a decision. I'd love to just win a few. If I could just win a few people. That's being realistic, guys. I think it's realistic that, man, if all of us just kind of shoot for, if we could lead five or six people to Christ in the course of our life, I think that's realistic. You say, where would I find these few people? I think they're already in your world. I think they're already in your natural web of relationships. You know where some of these people are? They're in your family. Your family is your mission field. For some of you, they're at the school you attend. For some of you, it's where you work. Some of you curse the fact that you work with so many unsaved people. I mean, there are times you look up to God and you what are you doing to me? These people are driving me crazy. I'm so awkward and uncomfortable with all these Unsaved people, you don't get it. You're incredibly blessed. You're in a rich mission field. There's a reason that you're the lone Christian in that workplace. You know why? God trusted you enough to send you there to be a missionary to those people. Build a friendship with some of them. 
You know, I, I, you know when I was working, full, when I had a secular job, I was working, man, it was great. Because every day I got to walk in my department, and uh, man, most of the people were just sinful. I mean, horribly sinful and lost. And, you know, man, I just loved it. Because I, I got eight hours to spend with you guys today. And in, in, in this eight hours, man, I'm going to get to show you what a real Christian looks like. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to treat you right. And, and I, hopefully one of these days, I'm going to lead you to Jesus. Maybe they're at work. And then, you know, I took a job at a church. And at the church, I was the lone staff person. So what that meant is typically in a building like this, I was there by myself all day. And if I wasn't by myself, I was with church people. And the next thing I knew, I'm cut off from unsafe people. So you know what I did? Uh, I thought, how can I get to know and connect with unsaved men? Okay, I hunt, I fish. Therefore, I began to call up unsaved men. Hey, I'm going hunting this weekend. You want to go? It was kind of weird at first. Hey, I'm, I'm going fishing. You want to go? And it's kind of weird for them. Like, the preacher wants me to go fishing. You know, I don't know if they, they, I remember this, there was this one guy, I led this guy to Christ, and he was a hard case. I led him to Christ, and his brother was even more difficult. But I kind of had some confidence, and I thought to myself, you know what, if I could win Mike, I believe I could win Danny. That was their names. I thought, I, could, I believe I could win him. So I knew he was an expert bass fisherman, I wanted to learn how to bass fish, so I called him up and said, man, won't you take me fishing? You know what he said? Yeah. We set a date, I show up. You know, and Danny's got a guy with him, and I knew that guy, and I knew he had, a, he had a real reputation for being a sinner. And so I had two, man, for the price of one. So here I are with these two guys, and we're going bass fishing. We go into the local store there, and the guy knew me to be the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. And we got us a Coke and a pack of crackers, and I walked up. I was paying for mine, and the guy behind the counter, he looked at me, and he looked at those two guys. He went, kind of went like this. Whew. For a minute there. I thought y'all were together. <laughs> I said, well, we are. Let me tell you what. It just seems so foreign to our culture that Christian people and non-Christian people can be friends. But we can. And here's what I'm saying. Guys, if you want to reach people, you've got to have some kind of relationship or friendship with people or you don't have much of a chance. So, so if, I, if I hammered on that one enough, can I move on? So you lead intentionally, you lead relationally, but thirdly, you lead naturally. And some of you may ask, okay, when you're hanging out with these unsaved men, what do you do? That's going to be profound. You ready? You might want to get your notes, get ready here. Ronnie, when you're hanging out with unsaved men, you guys are hunting, fishing, whatever you do, what do you do? Nothing. You say, what? I don't do anything. We don't do in-depth Bible studies of the book of Ephesians so that we can come to understand the depths of the doctrine of salvation. I'm not constantly asking them probing questions. You know, tell me about your spiritual journey. Tell me where you are with God. What are your concepts of God? No, no, no. You know, I'm not constantly harassing them and going, would you like to be saved? Have you ever been saved? Why don't you get saved? I, you say, you don't do, I don't do any of that. Well, you do. That's be me. We laugh a lot. We cut up a lot. We talk about things we find mutually interesting. And I would highly recommend 
that you intentionally build friendships with people you'd like to win to Jesus. And in the context of the friendships, just be who you are. Is that doable? Can you be with unsafe people and just be who you are? So here's what you've got to trust. If you're following Christ, God's at work in you. And when you're around unsafe people, you can trust in this. God's at work through you. Let him do the work. You say, do you ever open up and talk to these people about Jesus? Yeah, but I promise you this. When I do, it's done in a natural setting. One of the first guys I ever invited, unsaved guys that I ever invited to go hunting with, we became great friends and great hunting partners. We hunted together several seasons. And I'll tell you what I remember about those hunting seasons. Laughter. I remember laughing so hard, I couldn't see. Tears were rolling. Me and this guy, we were just having fun. Now, we hunted together two or three seasons, and, you know, and, and, and so I remember one hunting season was over. It was January. We were bored out of our minds waiting on the next hunting season, so we decided we're going to go catfishing. We went to Lake Kiwi on a bitterly cold January night, and we set up our Coleman lanterns and Fork and Sticks under the Stamp Creek Bridge, and we're sitting there fishing, and all of a sudden... He said, Ronnie, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, that's a pretty personal question. I said, it's okay. We're friends. He said, I've heard all the stories about you in your younger day. I know what you were. Now I know you, and I know what you are. And this is exactly the way he asked it. What happened to you? How do you explain this change? You know what I said? I told him about Jesus. I told him what Jesus had done for me. But I didn't stop there. Ricky, I told him what Jesus had done for him. I proceeded to tell him everything Jesus would like to do for him. I even asked him, you want to get saved? Right here under this bridge? Because this is dang cold. I'd just like for us to pray together and let's get out of here. No, I didn't say that part, but I did say, you want to, I mean, you can get saved right here. He didn't get saved that night, but he did get saved. He's a leader in his church this very day. Yeah, I talk to him. Usually, it's very natural, and they initiate it. Now, guys, I'm going to say something to you. If you hang around unsafe people, and they never ask you to explain the change that's come about in your life, you're not advertising it right. There's something they should be seeing they're not seeing. And I think you've got to back up and evaluate that. So i got to finish this quickly, guys. But So you lead naturally. Just be you. And number four, you lead prayerfully. Only God can change a life. And here's the cool thing. He listens to and answers our prayers. i got people I pray for almost every day. I call them circles. My family staff of this church, the trustees, my life group. But I've got a little circle of unsaved friends. And I tell you, consistently and specifically, I call out their names. And my prayer is pretty simple. God, will you save them? I love these people and I want you to save them. So I tell you this, pray and pray often and pray specifically for the friends that you've got that you want to lead to Christ. And, and number five, lead patiently. It takes a lot of time to lead somebody to Jesus. You say, how much, Ronnie? Six months? Year? I, I'm going to say much longer than you ever thought. I befriended this guy years ago. We've been friends for nine years now. I love him. 
And uh, one of those guys, when God kind of put us together, I'm thinking, I don't see exactly where this is going because this guy was famous for his uh, lifestyle. But he was famous for his attitude, rotten attitude toward the church and toward Christianity. So, man, I've become this guy's friend. We, we, we go out and eat. We go to bluegrass concerts. We fish together. And uh, I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed for this man. This year, nine years in, I felt the door open for me to finally, finally talk to him about Jesus. Nine years. Did he get saved? No, no, he didn't get saved. It was nine years before I felt it was right for me to even talk about this. Do you understand that before you ever put seed in the ground, you got to prepare the soil to receive the seed? You, you, that, isn't that what Jesus taught us in the Gospels? Do you understand how hard the human heart is? You know, that if you try to just shove this on somebody, it's going to do more harm than good. It took years of me proving to this man, I am not the people that hurt your dad or the the hypocrites that you've run into. I'm not those people. I am not perfect, but I am a sincere, dedicated Christian man. And I love you. It took years to plow the soil of his heart so he was ready to hear what I had to say. You say, nine years, man. That's a long time. And I've got to be honest with you. Uh, he's worth every minute of that and then some. You know, I, I love him. He's my friend. Boy, my goal is one of these days, one of these days, when I get to heaven, I will see him there. I want to see him there. It takes a commitment of a life. You've got to lead them patiently. That's why a lot of, if I could tell you, I can tell you how to lead a person to Jesus in one evening. Man, you'd be lined up and say, tell me how to do that. Fact is, that ain't going to happen. If I could teach you how to lead people to somebody in a year, there'd be many of you, I can't. I'm telling you, it may take the commitment of a lifetime and you may never see it happen. But here's where I'm at. That man's my friend whether he ever accepts Jesus or not. You've got to lead patiently. You've got to lead wisely. Here's what I think. I think it would be wise if at some point the person you're trying to lead to Jesus, if you could get them here to church. Now, back at Easter, we showed you Tony Rogers' testimony, and I want you to direct your attention to the screen. We're going to show you just a snippet of it, and i got a few comments I want to make. And my son, his girlfriend, invited me to church when it was at the, at the high school. And shortly after, we moved in this building, I got saved. But I look forward to getting up and going to church. The greeters, that's what got me. Not knocking Ronnie's preaching, but. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, but the greeters at the doors is what got me hung, hung up on coming. It was like. It's like they really welcomed you. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like they was running to the corner and talking about you or 
don't know. It just made me feel welcome. Now, did you, did you hear this? Tony said that shortly after moving in here on a Sunday morning, I got saved. Now, isn't that what we're shooting for? We help people find Christ we, so that their lives can be changed. And those of you that knew Tony then and you know Tony now, that since that day, he's a radically changed man. Right, Pam? Radically changed. Now, did you, t- did you hear him explain how this happened to him? His son and his son's girlfriend were attending this church. They invited him to a church service. Now, here are two people that have a relationship with Tony. They love him. He knows they love him. They invite him to church. He comes to church and has a great experience. And he does not credit that to me. And he and I still got issues over that. Who did he credit it to? The greeters. Now, if you're a greeter here, you ought to be very encouraged, very excited. If you've been looking for a ministry that perhaps you could make a difference in, maybe that's exactly where you need to be. But he came here, had a great experience, and so he just kept coming back, right? He came, we were meeting at the school when he started. We were here when he got saved. He kept coming for months because people were encouraging him and loving on him. And guess what happened? He hears the gospel, he has a chance to be saved, he accepts Christ, and he is changed now there's something about attending church that seems to pave the way for people to accept Christ I think I think I know one of the reasons because if you get your unsaved family member or friend here it gives the rest of us a chance to join in with you and work like a team Charlie and Lovetta invited him the greeters joined in with them and said let us do our part. The church worked together as a team. God honored it and he changed his life. Listen to me, guys. At some point, I'm not saying you invite them every week, but just strategically, as often as you feel the Spirit of God leads you, invite them to come. And then when they get here, I promise you, we're going to all work together as your teammates and try to help you get them to Jesus. You understand that every Sunday, the, the kids' ministry is for your kids. The worship songs are to help you recalibrate your relationship with God. The sermon is to help you grow as a believer. But Sundays are not just about you and yours. Sunday is also about them. And if we can get them here. And we can work together in such a way that they have a good church experience and they come back. And they come back over and over and over again. I tell you there's a real good chance we lead them to Jesus. A real good chance. Lead wisely. So here, lead intentionally, lead relationally, lead naturally, lead prayerfully, lead patiently, lead wisely. If you'll do this, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to lead a few people to Jesus. The other people in your church are going to lead a few people to Jesus. I'll lead a few people to Jesus. And together, we'll lead a lot of people to Jesus. Now, To a great extent, you know your part. Follow Jesus and lead people. I guess you could say it like this. You know the kind of person Jesus wants each one of us to be? Followers who lead. That's it. We are to be followers who lead. When each one of us begins to do this, I want to promise you something. Something Wonderful is going to happen. 
something supernatural is going to happen. You ask Ronnie, what? I can't tell you today, I'll tell you next week, okay? Let's pray together. I want you to just lose sight of the fact that there's anyone else in this room but you and God. Just you and God. I want you to listen very, very carefully. Do you hear that? You say what? God's calling you. God's calling you. And we read last week about Jesus showing up at the Sea of the Galilee and he he calls some fishermen to follow him and he said, if you'll follow me, you know what I'll do? I'll change you into fishers of men. So you're not going to follow me. You're going to lead people to me. Did you uh, listen? Because I'm telling you, if you'll listen, I'll tell you what you're hearing. He's calling you. He's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to lead others. That's not something some magic program at the church does. That's not something some that just just staff does. Or that's what you do. What are you going to do with that call? Here's what I'm suggesting. Just start. Just start. Rearrange your life. Build your life around communicating with Jesus. Make it your practice to cooperate with Him. Reshuffle your schedule so that you can connect with other Christ followers. And then you start intentionally building relationships with unsaved people in the hopes that God will use you one day to lead them to Him. Just start. Father, you're so good. Here's my prayer. That we respond to this call. And that we become followers who lead. In the name of Jesus, we pray this together. Amen. Thank you so much. You're free to go. Have a happy eclipse day, please. Don't stare at the sun now.